Have you ever had it where you're reading a word, but your mind tells you it's a different word? Well, I'm getting this <laughs> with this amazing guest, Fiona Denmark. See, I just did it. It's Denmark. But my brain is telling me Denmark. Strange. Here we go. Bonjour and welcome to my Way Thinking podcast hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every week, uh, where we speak to and interview extraordinary individuals such as Fiona DeMarc, all the way from Australia, mate. Um, love having her on, loved having her on, and I love having guests from Australia on because they are all just fabulous. And that's not to take me. They are fabulous. Um, so make sure you keep listening. This woman is amazing. She's an international speaker, life coach, etc., etc. She has problems with because um, I didn't want to say it's not a disability. Uh, she can't see, and I think it's pretty amazing when we talk about how she's carried on in a journey, done so well, um, and her vision is not there. And she talks about how that's worked in her favor and she looks at it positivity positivity <laughs> positivity positivity i can't say it uh, but you know what i mean she is a fantastic guest make sure you listen to this because it is is a great interview now um remember four rules one ball no one bullshitting one no bullshitting two no judging three no negativity and four have fun in this interview we have all four it is fantastic fiona is brilliant okay let's get on with enough of my rambling on let's do this brilliant interview with fiona so welcome to my way of thinking our very special guest today all the way from down under it is the one and only fiona demark welcome to fiona how are you i'm good it's funny that i just said all morning and then i realized it's actually seven o'clock at night where you are (laughs) it is indeed (laughs) these time zones and the other thing that catches me out quite a lot on these podcasts i mean it's great now that we're accessible and we can speak to people like yourself from across you know from anywhere in the world but we have an hour different daylight saving here in the uk did you know that Oh, of course, because it's summertime. See, that's yeah. what messed with me is I'm thinking, yeah, it's still summertime over there. We're, we're, we're still in the depths of winter. Yeah. It's currently probably about 10 degrees and raining outside oh, is in, it? in Melbourne. So, well, yeah, quite, quite a, <laughs> a standard wintry Melbourne evening. Well, that makes a change. Usually when I speak to somewhere like that, it's like, oh, it's glorious outside. It's raining here. <laughs> so it's a miracle. So, and the, interviewing from the beach (laughs) oh i know yeah with the beach in the background makes me sick but the other thing that's quite funny is like you say because of the daylight saving a lot of countries don't do that so the amount of times i've gone on ready for an interview and it's been an hour earlier or an hour late because some places just don't do i don't know why we still do it to be fair um because a lot it it messes with me even here in australia there's um like queensland doesn't do it oh right and so you're used to being on the same time zone and then all of a sudden throughout the summertime, there's an hour's difference and that's where my daughters live. And so every time I go to call my daughters, I'm like, 
oh my gosh, like he's still at school. <laughs> it's, it's insane. I didn't realize, yeah, I didn't realize they'd do, it, they'd do that in the same country. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So not only is there about four different time zones across Australia anyway, yeah. but then in the summertime, we add an extra one in just to make it even more confusing. <laughs> the joys. But we have connected. That is the main thing. Uh, I'm a bit bleary-eyed this morning because I was up last night and obviously I'm a creative, so I'm always doing some writing and, and always having to keep myself busy. Uh, and it was one of those nights last night I was writing something and I just completely forgot the time. I looked at the clock. It was about 11 o'clock. And then the next time I looked, it was like 2 o'clock. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Do you ever have that where you just completely lose track of time? Oh, absolutely. But it certainly meant that you were very enthralled in whatever it was that you were doing. So oh, well, I don't know about go, that. Go with the flow, people say, and that that's really in flow. I know, I know. And at least it was something worthwhile. You know, my son will go on a game, <laughs> you know, in the, <laughs> shooting people in you the wall. You suddenly lost a week of your life. Yeah, I think that I, I never play games now. I mean, I watch a lot of films, of course, but... God, if you think these kids, some of the times that they, the time they waste playing on, and I suppose it's part of growing up for some, but it is pretty ma- amazing if you added all that time up in it. Mm, true. Right. But then again, you know, like people watch, like, and I mean, I know people that will watch for a whole weekend just binge watch TV shows on Netflix. Yeah. Ah, if it's good, me, though. I don't think. Yeah. If it's good, Fiona. <laughs> if it's good. <laughs> As long as it's not Love uh, Island no. or some crap like that. But, uh, but you know, I, c- I could probably do the same thing with a book. Like, there's nothing for me to sit and read a whole novel cover to cover. So, you know. Oh, yeah. If you get a good one, definitely, yeah. Um, now, before we start talking, I, what I used to do is look at the country and come up with some facts. But actually, I've started to turn that around now. So, you're in Melbourne, which is a stunning place. Tell me something interesting about Melbourne that maybe we, we, we in the UK wouldn't know. Give us, a, give us an interesting fact. Interesting fact about Melbourne. Hmm. Um, I have been told, and I'm not sure whether it is true or not. Yeah. But it's was considered to be one of the most, well, the most livable city in the world. All right. Right up until about two months ago where <laughs> we got knocked off the perch. And I'm not even sure who did that. But <laughs> apparently now we can claim that we are the most, um, the best city to work from home in, in the world. All right, yeah. wonder why that is. I am not sure, but I know that I've been working from home for the last 18 months and loving it. So <laughs> yeah. thanks COVID. <laughs> and tell us, so we talk about COVID and we touched on it when we, when we first came on, when I spoke to Ben Sorensen, a brilliant comedian from Melbourne, probably God's got to be going on for a year now. Uh, and we were talking about COVID and he was like, Oh, we haven't got a problem here. We just locked everything down uh, and locked borders down and we're fine. Well, that's changed now, hasn't it? Tell us, yeah, tell us how uh, it's going indeed. over there. Yeah. Well, if you believe some of the stories, you mm. can point the finger like there's this, this ongoing rivalry in between Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. And Sydney seemed to have a bit of a breakout of Delta virus before it, it went everywhere else. And so yeah. you could kind of listen to some people and they'll point the finger and go, those evil Sydney people. <laughs> but essentially what happened is I think it just, um, you know, it was, it was a, a, a 
thing that was just waiting to happen. Like yeah. all it took was for, you know, it, it's a, it's particularly sort of virulent strain and, yeah. you know, you go from one place to the other and we do travel quite a lot here in Australia. And so, you know, all it took was for sort of, you know, someone to journey to somewhere else, not realizing that they were unwell and we're all back in lockdown and have been now for, I think, Oh, look, I've lost count. I know I did hear a statistic last week to say that we had been all up in lockdown with all of them put together for 200 days here okay. in Melbourne. Right, okay. But um, in this period, I think it's only been maybe this is going to be our third or fourth week. Right, okay. Um, but this is I a real, so. is this, is this what sort of lockdown? Cause we've had so many different ones. Is this a real, oh, look, I think, th I think they're getting really serious. Like, because there's um, the statistics keep on going up and up, mm. even though we're in lockdown and the same thing in Sydney, they're yeah. getting really serious and in, in starting to enforce the regulations a bit more. So if people are doing the wrong thing, they're, they're giving them a fine rather than a slap on the wrist. And yeah. Um, yeah, you're really not supposed to be going more than five k's away from home, and and all of that Masks sort of stuff. everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shame, isn't it? But we we did it, we did it here. And to be fair, it worked. We, we and then afterwards, we still had a had a problem. I think the biggest success we've had here, and and of course, you're always going to get people moaning about the government not doing this right, not doing that right, but you can't deny the vaccine rollout we had here, which they absolutely just smashed out, and nearly the whole of the, something like 80, 90% mm. of the population have had both jabs. What's How's that going over there, the vaccination I rollout? I think that is our issue, as it didn't roll out as quickly as it could have here. Mm. Um, I'm I'm up for jab number two tomorrow. So as Woo! of tomorrow, I'll I'll be totally vaxxed. Get in um, there. Yeah, and I think all up the population. I think I heard the other day that they were up to maybe fifty percent. All so right. So their their eventual aim is eighty, I think. So we've still got quite a way to go. But the the premonition. Yeah. is that it is supposed to all be sort of, you know, we're supposed to meet that 80% target by, I think they said, October, November. Oh, right. So then hopefully um, everything will settle down and especially that will be coming into our summertime as well. So yeah. fingers crossed, it all starts to settle down a little bit and they can start, um, you know, releasing lockdowns and not having to worry about it and, yeah. and just going with the flow a bit more like everywhere else is. Good stuff, good stuff. Right, enough about that rubbish, that evil COVID. <laughs> uh, right, we connected, uh, where did we connect? On oh, Matchmaker, I think it was. Um, and I read your story, and the first thing I thought is, wow, how does she get time? <laughs> because oh, we'll, go, we'll go through what you're up to, obviously, in a minute. Um, it's pretty extraordinary what you've, been, what you've been up to. And more extraordinary is the fact that you've been blind, legally blind since birth. So I think that the first thing we've got to talk about is growing up. Um, so if you were blind since birth, how was growing up for you? Did you, did you grow up in Melbourne, I take it, or, or in Australia? No, no, uh, in fact, I actually grew up in a little town in the outback called Broken Hills. So if you right. think about the map of Australia, yeah. it's in far western New South Wales. And I hate to admit this, but it was the time before the internet. I am that old. <laughs> <laughs> Never. 
I don't believe Yeah, I know. It. Dinosaurs, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, like it was, it was very isolated. Um, Adelaide was our closest capital city, which was about five and a half hours away. Yeah. So I didn't grow up in, in the bush as such. Um, yeah. It was, um, it was in, in a town. However, I grew up on the outskirts of town. So we did have the bush right next to us. Hmm. So um, like every other kid my age, I was running around with my cousins and nephew and and friends catching lizards and I don't know trying to avoid falling down mine shafts um all sorts of all sorts of mischief that general sort of kids get up to yeah um didn't really find it too much of an issue look I guess there was probably always someone looking out for me a little bit yeah and it wasn't until I became a teenager that I sort of really started to have have some serious issues and I think you know that's that's all um you know being a teenager and mm. going through that identity crisis and whatever else and then sort of you know managing where you fit in with a disability amongst yeah. all of that yeah. was yeah that that was that was a bit of a, a tricky tricky few years to navigate but we we got there yeah. in the end I can I can imagine and and it's funny what you say there about being a kid and you had good friends and you you're enjoying yourself isn't it funny when you look back and you think, God, wasn't it great being a kid? Is, aren't kids great? They've got no agenda. There's no stresses. You just get on, you just play, you get on with life. And even though you had a disability, you know, you were, you were blind, you still just cracked on. And, and, and sometimes you think when you're older and you're an adult and you, you've got all this bitterness or you, you're pissed off about something, you think, God, I wish I, I wish I was a kid again and I just had none of that. You just enjoyed life. Yeah. There's something to be said, isn't there, for that? Absolutely. And you look, and but you, the kids, they will complain. Oh, I'm bored. Oh, I don't like this. And you just, think, oh my gosh, wait until you've got life's responsibilities on your I know, shoulders. Oh no. So, so when you were a teenager, obviously you went through it. That's when it sort of kicked in. Which teenage years are terrible for a, a lot of us. But you know, when you've got a disability, it's, it must be even harder. So, what happened? So you were going through teenage years you were struggling when did you start to think right this is what I want to do next because yeah, obviously think, you're life coach now and I'm just thinking yeah, did that yeah. start at there there's a big jump yeah. yeah 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 um, I think I think what happened was um I I really got like I think sometimes you know that old saying you've been need to hit rock bottom before you can come back up mm. and it was um you know there was a bit of schoolyard bullying there was um you know, just, just, I think, you know, trying to fit into the mold of, of being perfect. And then all of that negative self-talk that comes along with it. Um, my dad passed away when I was 15. And so that sort of added to, you know, whatever else was going on. And I think, you know, look, I mean, these days we're really mindful of what is going on for everybody else. Looking back, I would probably suggest that I I should have been diagnosed with depression and had some, some Mm -hmm. professional help at the time. But, you know, back in those days, you just, just got on with it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there was a couple of things that really sparked me out of it. One was that I was in quite a, quite a low place. And I think sort of had been noted by um, a few people around um, at school we went to a school, there was about 700 kids in the high school. So by this stage, I was year in, in year 11. There was, I don't know, maybe maybe less than 100 in, yeah. in the year. And so, you know, everyone kind of knew who I was. And I remember going to see um, a teacher one day and I said, I need to know about suicide. 
and he just kind of looked at me and he went, why? He says, do you want to do it or do you want to help other people not do it? <laughs> and it really pulled me up and I stood yeah. there and I looked at him for a couple of seconds and I thought, you know what, mate? I'm not sure of the answer of that. Let me think about that a little bit more. And he says, okay, I'll get you some information. So off he went and got, got his, little, his yeah. little pack of information for me and comes back. And I said, you know what? I want to help others. Mm. And so that started the public speaking was um, one of my first, first public speaking roles was actually to my legal studies class <laughs> on suicide. Yeah. And look, I'm sure the kids didn't love me and I didn't love half of them either. Yeah. But, you know, I think that that presentation first of all, helped me a lot to get out of my spot and realise that, hey, well, you know, I do have the power to help other people. And second of all, you know, maybe it did help somebody else out in the country, very, very high suicide rate. And so, you know, if I did something that day to help somebody else as well as myself, then that that's really powerful in itself. Yeah, that's so, amazing. And I think what yeah. is very powerful there is the fact that you spoke to someone. And we always say that, and you can't underestimate the power of speaking to someone. Mm. You spoke to someone, you asked them about it, and, and probably without knowing you were reaching out. Um, mm. It would have been if you'd have stayed clamped up, thoughts going in your mind. So, you know, it's quite powerful, isn't it? You must, you must talk. You must tell people Always how you feel. Yeah. somebody. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. And that's it. Maybe I'd spoken to other people and mm. not been so upfront and yeah. they hadn't hurt me. And yeah. until I actually came up and said, this, this is potentially what's going on then someone did actually listen and yeah. that, that was, you know, and I'm so grateful to that, that teacher. And yeah. I think, you know, a lot of us have got somebody in our lives that we can look back on and go, wow, you changed my life in some way. And mm -hmm. to be really mindful of who those people were that were such an influence on our lives is sometimes really important. Yeah. And there's never, and, and a lot of the time it's not many people for me, it's probably two people, uh, that are not your family. Obviously, you always talk about your family, um, but yeah, it's it's always it can just be one or or two people throughout when you're growing up. Just just makes a massive difference, and I think that's why mm. teaching is so important. And and people in authority or power, or maybe your first boss, or need to think about that responsibility, especially when they're in charge of like apprentices or young kids. Mm. Um, because it can make such a difference. So, no, that's, that's an interest. So, so we go to make well, themselves so much. Mm, yeah, that's true. So, that sparks the idea. Tell us a little bit about what you went up to next. So, did you go college, university? Tell us a bit yeah. about that. Yeah. So, so, next steps was once I realized what I wanted to do, I thought, right, I want to be a social worker. And oh <laughs> I, was still a, I was still a little bit messy at this time. I still, still yeah. hadn't gotten over my stuff, really. Yeah. And off I went. Um, I went to Sydney to um, a, a recreational camp for uh, other blind teenagers. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I saw all of these kids that were at this blind camp and, and some legally blind, some totally blind. And they had all their little gadgets and, and they were using their mobility aids, little talking computers and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, wow, these, these kids are A, a bit nerdy, but B, they're getting on with their life and yeah. everything is, is not a problem for them. They're just 
functioning as as everybody else does and i went right okay well this is a really big wake-up sign to say get the disability because i'd grown up not knowing anybody else really with a disability like mm. i was the only kid that was growing up with a vision impairment out where i was and so all of a sudden i was introduced to all of these people that that you know, had all of these skills that I hadn't tapped into. And I'm like, radio, okay. So we can do something with our lives. Yeah. And so social work is definitely it. And so let's go back to Broken Hill. Let's knuckle down at school. And I think I had a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan every letter <laughs> of the alphabet to get me out of Broken Hill and off to university. So luckily plan A worked. So at 18, I was on the train with my suitcase and my boxes of stuff yeah. and off I went to Sydney, rented a little apartment near the university and um, yeah, started, started university and, and sort of lived by myself over in Sydney. Wow. That was a big step, wasn't it? Huge step. Um, didn't really know anybody. I'd sort of had some friends that I'd met at the recreational camp. But other than that, um, yeah, it was a it was a um, steep learning curve of meet new people and find your way around and um, yeah, like get get a new life set up. Sometimes that's a great thing to do, though. Some young kids do that. I mean, I, I, people you get a lot of children now, especially with the cost of living and things like that. There, where they'll stay living with the parents for years and years, uh, and there's something to be said about you know, just moving out. I remember when I moved out, didn't have much money. You scraped through, uh, but you learn a hell of a lot that way, don't you? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, do I have to buy two minute noodles or can I buy something a little bit more exciting this <laughs> <Yeah>. week? <laughs> yeah. Do I actually, Oh, what's this? A bill. What's a bill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fancy furniture or pay the bills. Mm, yeah. we'll sit on the cardboard box and <laughs> eat pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure that we've got some electricity so we can hear the music. Oh yeah, too right. Um, so now, so obviously you made a big move there, and you're out into the whole wild world all, all by yourself. And obviously you've got your disability. Tell us a little bit about how that affects you. So your blindness. It, how how blind i don't i don't know how it works whether there's a whether there's <laughs> how a, blind am i <laughs> yeah whether there's a spectrum i know it's a terrible question but do you have enough yeah, and that, that's where, why i use the, yeah i yeah. use the terminology legally blind so that okay. once there becomes a point look if we're going to be totally precise the mm. the the specific terminology is vision impaired right okay. but you know i don't think that really paints the picture for me yeah. I've I use the term legally blind because yeah. I'm most of the way there. Yeah? yeah, I I sort of tell people, look, probably got about eighty or ninety percent vision loss, depending on lighting conditions and all sorts of other various bits and pieces. Yeah, but assume the worst and work backwards is generally, yeah. generally yeah. what I tell yeah. people. Yeah, but I'm so, just thinking it, it, when when you you moved away uh, to just have some kind of reference, whether it's a colour. Or do you see what I mean? Especially, I'm just thinking when you're on public transport and things like that. Yeah, look, um, it's, and it, it, is, it is degenerative what I've got. So yeah. as I've gotten older, it yeah. has gotten worse. So okay. probably when I moved to Sydney, uh, look, maybe I could say I had a 60% vision loss okay. in the right. daytime. Nighttime, it's always been pretty crappy. The, the, the parts of your eyes that um, help you see in the nighttime. 
have yeah. always been um, not working for me. No. So nighttime has always been bad, but during yeah. the daytime, um, you know, wasn't so bad. But yeah. the way that I learned my way around Sydney and then once again when I moved to Melbourne was in my spare time, I would just jump on the train network mm. and they, they announced the train. So next station is blah, blah, blah. Mm. And so... Yeah you just jump on the train and pay attention to all the places that you went to along the way. Yeah. And I'll tell you a funny story, actually. Yeah. It's a good thing that I learned that in Sydney because a few years, a few years after finishing university, I, um, I met my ex-husband and we got mm. married and he hadn't had a driver's license beforehand. And now I kind of understand why <laughs> amongst all the other fantastic skills that he did have. Yeah. Um, a sense of direction was not one. <laughs> so I'm not sure whether you have them in England, but here they've got huge big signs above the main road that tell mm. you, okay, if you're coming to the freeway, this is the the you know the the lanes that you need to be in yes. to go to this particular yeah. location, vice versa for the other one. I'm yep. sure he could see those signs from like, you know, five minutes <laughs> driving. Like yeah. He would wait until we got right to the, the, the last minute before you had to make the decision which lane to be in to turn onto the freeway yeah. left or right. And then he would say, which way, left or right? Now, for a blind girl, you would think that I would have a really good sense of direction. Well, no, I can't tell my left from my right without really consciously thinking about it. <laughs> so now we're like in traffic. I've got half a second to decide what's my left, what's my right, and which way do we actually want to be driving here? Yeah. And I don't know, maybe that's blind leading the blind. I've got no idea, but at least one of us had a sense of direction. <laughs> what a nightmare. <laughs> at least we've got GPSs these days. So with my new husband, yeah. I didn't have to worry about that. He just follows the GPS. <laughs> yeah, true, true. And I was gonna I was gonna touch on that anyway. So you moved to you moved to Melbourne, and I guess then the experiences and like you say, learn the learning curve is just uh, you know amazing. You're soaking everything up, and because of your disability, you're just becoming so uh, wise to everything um, and picking things up. And then technology as well is moving, like you say, GPS and just little things like that. Mm. How how has that been over the years? Has that been a real a real saviour? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Huge impact. I mean, you know, right next to me, I've got an iPhone and I can use the same iPhone as you and everybody else in the world. Yeah. Um, Apple have been wonderful enough to incorporate accessibility into their, their software. So um, it's, it's just a standard iPhone and you just turn on the talking features. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, because you know, when you, because when you were growing up, you would have had not, you know, it was your, your mum and dad, That's your right. mates, and that, and that was it. And now look where we yep. are. <laughs> and you know, audio books were on a cassette, and I, rem I remember you used to get a standard novel, and it was—I'm not joking—like twenty cassettes. <laughs> yeah, I remember the old cassettes. Yeah. Oh now, yeah. Now you have a, a, you know, a tiny little file that just plugs into oh. your phone or whatever, and off you go, and you've got your audio book. So. You know, technology has definitely moved along. For for my work, yeah. I use a software program that, um, so I'm talking to customers on the phone. So I've got a headset on for yeah. my listening to my customers. Yeah. And then I've got a second headset that um, I listen to my computer with. And I've got a special software program that reads out everything on the screen. Wow. And 
So I kind of listened to two, com two conversations at once. And so imagine using your computer. We're going to turn off the monitor. We're going yeah. to take away your mouse. And then I'm going to give you a keyboard shortcut to do every single function. So it's, it's amazing that it's amazing how the brain, you can train the brain though. You, you Absolutely. Don't, you know, I'm, not using, I'm, not, I'm not using a whole part of it to be looking mm, at stuff. Yeah. So now I'm using it for other things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd do it. I'd just be all over the place, a bumbling mess. You know, now you can, you just fly, you'll do that as if it's just a normal day, um, which is pretty phenomenal, isn't it? Mm, it just becomes muscle memory after a while. Yeah, yeah. Okay, excellent. Right, so done the social work studies, moved on from there. Um, how long were you in social care for? Um, well, still, still kind still. of in and out of it actually. Okay. And that's yeah. kind of why I ended up doing the life coaching. So my last, um, social work job was, I was working with unemployed disabled people for about five years All right, and that did my head in after a little bit. So I'm like, okay, I need, <laughs> need a break. And so what does your head in even more? I went and got a, um, a, a job in the call center at our roads authority. <laughs> so I did that for five years and am now still working for the roads authority, but doing something slightly different. So that's my yeah. everyday job. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, like I really want to, um, you know, help other people yeah. and I'm doing a bit of a volunteer role with my um, Victorian government job at the moment, um, advocating for people with disabilities, okay. but still thought that that's not enough. I still want to still want to be doing something else. Yeah. So while we're in lockdown last year with COVID, I thought I'd take the opportunity to study the life coaching yeah. and that kind of bridged that gap in between the social work and a lot of the natural therapy kind of stuff that I'd been doing in the past as well. So I kind of all linked it together. So, so now I'm, I'm working the full-time job, still doing the volunteer advocacy job yeah. and doing my own business. Hence why I am such a busy person. <laughs> You just don't stop. And um, talking about social care, I've worked with social care before, not worked in social care, but we had the offices at where I used to work, where I work. Um, and one thing is for sure with social care, they get a lot of stick. They're at the brunt of, sometimes they're at the brunt of a lot of, uh, I don't know, criticism but they do an amazing job and it's such a difficult job. I suppose after so many years, it takes quite a toll emotionally on you, does it? It does. And even like, I mean, I'm a very positive kind of, yeah. you know, don't let the, the stuff stick to you kind of person. Yeah. And it wasn't until I left that position that I realized that the, the negative and, um, you know, just the stuck mindset had actually started to, to join to me. And yeah. I did have my own little coping mechanisms of this is separating work and life apart, but it wasn't until I left the job and I was, I was sitting actually having lunch with my husband one day and I'm like, Oh, we do this and do this and do this. And he just looked at me and went, you're back. And I went, how what? <laughs> and he's like, that's that's who I remember. He said you you just had this big cloud over you that had yeah. been created by, you know, dealing with other people's problems for so long that you'd forgot that vision yeah. and goal setting uh, mentality of my own. And so it was it was really interesting to reflect back on that and go, oh, I thought I was doing okay, but in actual fact, yeah. it did impact. 
Yeah, it does. It, it's, I think that it's one of those jobs for you to do it for, you know, your whole career. You've got to be serious, resilient. And you're almost, like you say, a lot of the time you're giving up your own life. You're giving up your, mm. because you, you've got to be in that, that, that mindset and take the problems home. And it's, it's very difficult. And I'm a big supporter of anybody that, that works in social care. That's for sure. So then we go to the life coaching. You're like, right, life coaching. And I suppose with this, this is slightly different because it's people who uh, want to improve something or, or want mm-hmm. coaching or want mentoring. Um, tell us a little bit about starting that. Was it quite a scary time? Were you like, ooh, I don't know what to do? and Or did you go for uh, it? I'm one of those people that just go for it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, say yes and work it out later, yeah. So um, that that's pretty much where I started. And look, because I had the social work background, I think it kind of helped because I've already been dealing with people and their, yeah. their stuff for a while. And so, you know, going it from a slightly different angle, yeah, it still has the same basis behind it. So it's not like I was starting from scratch and suddenly having someone tell me their stuff and going, Oh, how do you fix that? It was more <laughs> like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Been there before. Let's just tackle this from a different place. Yeah, definitely. And, and life coach. Now this is some, I spoke to um, a coach over here mentor coach however you want to phrase it over here it's a little bit of a a newish thing because i speak to a lot of people in america and they've all got therapists life coaches you know it is as important as a doctor dentist Mm. over here it's not which i think is wrong because having a mentor or coach is it makes a massive difference to your life what's it like over there in australia is it a big thing over there is it a new thing it is still very new. Mm. Um, I think it it is slowly picking up, but it's probably, you know, same, same as what you guys have got in the UK yeah. with it. Just, it's just kind of a baby concept at the moment. There's, there's a few people that are onto it and look, I, you know, you mentioned life coach here and everyone just sort of goes, Oh my God, like Tony Robbins. And it's like, <laughs> mm, not, not quite. Yeah. You like we're you, not. You wish you had his money. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome, you know, retire tomorrow. Um, but yeah, no, it's um it it's still relatively new. And I think a lot of people don't realise the the day-to-day benefits of it, especially, you know, in, in the corporate world and things like that, like having somebody to just bounce ideas off of because especially when you're in a high pressure position, a lot of the times you don't have that ability to to let your guard down and say, oh, this is what I'm thinking or this is what I'm feeling and be in a place where you feel comfortable to do that with your colleagues. So having somebody that's totally out of the frame, someone that you can just be totally honest with that has no impact upon, um, you know, how you're being judged in your workplace, I think is sometimes really, really important. Definitely. And I suppose it goes back to yourself when you're in social care thinking, I would have loved to have had a life coach back then, someone to guide me. Mm-hmm. And someone to someone just to offload to sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So, so you've started life coaching. What sort of things do you life coach? Is it a case of, do you pick a certain subject or is it for professionals or is it just anybody that wants life coaching? How do you work that? I think, um, you know, the, the best thing about life coaching is you can really tailor and individualize it to people 
um, and their specific needs. Mm. So look, if I was to say, what kind of life coach am I? Um, my main things are overcoming adversity, building um, resilience, setting goals. And that's things that I can relate back to my personal life. Yeah. And so, you know, my personal story becomes very powerful in the sense that they are able to be coached by somebody who's not necessarily been there and done that, but at least they feel that there's an, a level of empathy um, coming from the person that is the, the person coaching. Um, having said that though, coaching can be for anybody about anything because essentially what we do is we get down to the nuts and bolts about what's going on in life yeah. and then what's working, what's not working. Okay. Well, let's focus on that area of your life that isn't working. Yeah. Um, and then, and build upon that. And then the coaching questions are very much based around getting people to think about answers to solve their own problems rather than me telling them this is, this is the way it should be. It's about them going, Oh, okay, well this, this is how I could look at that differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and that's the thing as well. It's interesting you say about nuts and bolts. It's, it's sometimes people just need to step back um, and look at the bigger picture, which I know sounds corny, but it's true. And the other thing as well is with life coaching, tell us what the difference between a life coach and a therapist is. Tell us the difference between those two. Mm -hmm. So therapists tend to dig back into your life and look at all the things that you've done in the past and then try and create an answer for your current behavior based yeah. upon your past stuff. Yeah. Life coaches more so go, okay, Yep, we acknowledge what's happened in the past. The past is the past. You can't change it. All you can do is acknowledge the fact that it's been there. It's taught you some kind of lesson. Let's now focus towards the future. And so coaching is very future-orientated rather than past-orientated. Yeah. So I suppose if you have past issues uh, that are deep-rooted, then it's a case of getting a therapist. Um, it's more complex, I would I would, I would, I would probably say. Mm -mm, yeah. And look, I mean, you know, if, if the past has been dealt with mm. and you've got that baggage and that's okay because you acknowledge it and then you're going, okay, well, that's made me the person I am now. And I can, I can use that as a tool to move forward with, then that's fine. And, um, you know, if people, I mean, I think the biggest thing when we look at our past is forgiveness, forgiveness of whatever happened, whatever the people were involved, whatever we need to forgive ourselves for. Yeah. And if you can do that and move forward, then you're ready for coaching. If you can't forgive, you can't move forward and you're still stuck on, on that little hamster wheel of going around in the past going, but this, but this, but this, then yeah, yeah probably therapy is a better <laughs> channel to, to work through that first of all. Yeah. That's a great bit of advice because uh forgiveness has come up time and time again on this podcast with people that have been through you know a real hell of a time um and it is true because almost when you can't forgive that's your own issue that's your own problem mm. um and you're putting the emphasis back on whoever caused the problem uh, because you have to forgive for yourself and I think Absolutely. when you think, oh, I'm not, I'll get my back up, I'm not going to forgive, 
you know, it's a, it's, um, it's a shame because people, if people can't see that. So yeah, that's, that's a great bit of advice. So where do you see this life coaching going then Fiona? What's, what's for the future? For the future, oh, I'm going to change the world. Yeah, yeah <laughs> take well, you over said, the world. Well, you said Tony Robbins, so uh, <laughs> Tony yeah, Robbins got to aim high <laughs> tonight for one night only. But yeah, where where do you see it? I mean, the the website's great. Where do you see it going? Um, look, I'd like to do continue doing the the individual coaching, um, get into some group coaching. I really see myself. Um, coaching in um, public speaking forum more than anything mm, else. Yeah. So using those coaching skills to present to corporates and um, other other large groups to kind of get the word out there and um, be be a little bit of a disability advocate, but at the same time really focus on you know everyone has the power to to overcome the challenges that they're faced with in life, regardless of what those challenges are. We all have them. And if you're resilient and, um, you know, you look forward rather than backwards, you can overcome anything that's put towards you. Yeah, definitely. And I always ask, I mean, you've already given a bit of advice, but I'll ask you again. Uh, I always ask my guests for a bit of advice. So that can be the best bit of advice you've had or that you could give somebody have you got a bit of advice, Fiona, that you can think of? Bit of advice. Be kind to yourself. Stop talking all that negative, rubbish self-talk that you get in the, the inside of your head. You know, we always go, oh, you, know, you talk to yourself, you're crazy. No, <laughs> we do it all the time. Like we have literally nearly 100,000 thoughts that will run through our heads every day. <laughs> that voice in our head is really, really powerful. Make yeah. sure it's telling you good stuff, not bad stuff. Yeah, too right. It's a pain in the ass that voice <laughs> last <laughs> night. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a great bit of advice. And I always ask my guests as well for a favourite, so it can be a book, a film, or something like that. Whatever, as long as it's accessible. Have you got a favourite you can think of? Favourite. I really struggle with this. Mm. Um, favourite. Well, you say books-wise, you obviously you love books. Oh, look, I read I read way too much to pick anything out and say oh, that's dear. my favourite. To yeah. be honest, I would say my favourite. Yeah. First thing that jumped into mind when I was thinking about that just then. Yeah. Is hugs. Yeah. What's hugs that? are my favourite. Uh, what's what's what? As in, I'm not no, I'm not necessarily sure from random strangers, but certainly from people <laughs> that I know, hugs. <laughs> Well, I've never been told that before, but it, it, <laughs> I tell you what, it's a great point because it was one thing COVID's taught us is how important it is, you know, talking to people, being with people, and like you say, especially with friends and family. God, you miss a hug, don't you, when you can't? Yep, you can't. absolutely, and that's accessible to everybody. Well, when we're yeah. not in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Otherwise, we have to do the virtual hug. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I've looked on the website. The website's great. Tell us a bit about where we can find you and how people can connect on social media. Okay. Well, I'll start by saying that I'm Fiona D Mark. Mm. So like Denmark without the N. Yes. <laughs> bit, bit of a running joke. My husband told me when we got married, he says, you know what? You're just going to be Denmark forever. 
and <laughs> so many people get it wrong. Yeah. But, you know, now it, now it's a good publicity stunt because I can say it's 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 Denmark without the N. Yeah, true. So um, on Facebook, Instagram, and website is www.fionadmark.com.au. And the website is great. I had a look on it. There's a, a little clip off YouTube, um, and there's loads of stuff on there, which is which is really great for people to to look and updating it all of the time. So there's yeah. always something new. So the the thing that I'm focusing on at the moment, which is a little bit hard in lockdown, is yeah. um, my blind inspiration, and I'm putting up a gallery as well. So that's that's my um, Instagram is blind inspiration. Yeah. And I'm just trying to take pictures and videos of things that I'm up to. So um, the latest thing that I've decided to do with my personal trainer is there's some um, there's a, quite a steep hill in our national park. That's literally just down the road. Yeah. And so at the moment I'm huffing and puffing, getting to the top of the hill once. Yes. Yesterday he made me walk down the hill, up the hill, yeah. down the hill, and back up the hill. And I thought I was going to die. Yes. By the end of the oh, no, year, no. I'm going to run up that hill. Good so, for you. So that that's the um that's that's the 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 exercise personal goal. So watch yeah. out on the website for videos and um, photos to go with that for the rest Brilliant. of the year. Brilliant. I'm a big fan of hills because I I run, but I'm not an ultra marathon runner or anything like that. I've never really enjoyed it, but I've done it for years because it's good for mental health for exercise. Uh, so I would rather run up three or four hills than you know, 20 mile of flat surface. I like hills. And what I'll tend to do is I'll time myself from the bottom to the top. And once I know how long that's took me, I'll just get, I've got to try and beat that time. <laughs> Even if I drop on the floor being sick everywhere at the top, I will beat that time. And it is, I love hills. There, there's something about it. It's something about like, it's life, isn't it? You know, you're climbing. You'll have to, you'll have to give like, me some tips because I am so not a runner. I like I you. never, as, as, even as a kid, I was a sprinter, not a runner. So yeah. the, the aim you. to run up this hell is... <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether I'm fitting off more than I can chew, well, you but say, we'll see how it goes. The thing is with a hill as well, you say about running, but you can, when you go up a hill, you can just do a really slow run or, a, you know, just a little step at a time. No one's going to say anything because you're going up a hill, which is great. So it's, <laughs> and it is the old adage, isn't it? One foot after the other, which is completely true. Um, I suppose the next thing that comes into it is your breathing. And that's what you're going to be is getting, getting the breathing because once you've mm. done it for a while, your breathing will get, will get used to your lungs wanting to pop. <laughs> 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 you'll get there. You'll get there. That's, that's brilliant news. Well, look, Fiona, it's been an absolute joy having you on today all the way from Melbourne. I really appreciate it because I know it's a bit later uh, over there. And please keep in touch um, and let us know how you're getting on because I'm sure it's just, you know, the next Tony Robbins is on a way. <laughs> I'll be booking out stadiums in the UK before you know it. <laughs> you will. Get over here. Get over here, woman. <laughs> but no, yeah, thanks ever so much. Make sure you stay in touch and I'll speak to you soon. I will do. Thanks, Lee. Take care, Fiona. Great Bye. Day. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Fiona for joining me today. And for you listening, make sure you follow the podcast 
the podcast podcast over the coming months because there are more extraordinary interviews it's streaming on the usual platform itunes and spotify and if you want to see uh the main section of the video chat you can see this beautiful face on youtube uh just search my way thinking podcast if you want to get in touch, you want to be a guest, or you know someone who would be a fabulous guest, then email me, lawpodcast at aol.com. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. God bless. Take care.